Hello, and welcome to another episode of Down Murder Lane. Hi, everyone. It's our season finale. Season one finale. I can't believe it. I know. What a long, crazy road. One year. Yes. I know. I love that video you made. I was literally giggling. <laughs> I was trying to think of, like, what song can I put with this? And then I was going to, like, do some, like, I don't know, like, Spice Girls yeah. crap or, you know, whatever. And then I was like... <laughs> No, the Golden Girls. Yeah. Like... It was perfect. Yeah. So we need to add that song to our Spotify We playlist. do need to add it. It's it's a jam. There's It's actually a remake. There's a man that really sings the original version of it. It's really lame. Never knew that. It, I just learned it when mm. I was looking for the song to yeah. add to the video. I love that. It was fun. Good. It was a little Sunday afternoon project I had. <laughs> it yeah. turned out awesome. It did. And the pictures were really awesome. It was fun. I took a picture from every one of our adventures. And our episodes. Good for you. That's a lot of pictures, too. Well, my kids are playing outside. It was a beautiful Sunday. I just, like, was doing this project on my phone. And I, admittedly, I got this new app for work. Okay. To make, like, montages with, like, music and put it on TikTok and, like, IG and stuff for work. So I was like, I need to figure out how to use this. And then I said, well, today is the podcast anniversary, so I should, this can be my maiden voyage. I'm so glad you remember all these things, like... You're so, you're all, you are the social media, like, you're the queen of the... I, well, it's not because I'm, like, awesome or young. It's because I have to. For your other, yeah. Yeah, for my wedding planning business. I because m- all my clients are, well, now they're not even really millennials anymore. Now they're all, like, Gen Z. Oh. I'm, like, two generations removed from my client base now. Shit is getting rough for that me. That makes me feel, yeah. It's really hard. I'm, like... Like, okay, you know how a lot of times when people make an email address, they put the numbers of their year of birth and the at the end of it? Yes. I'm starting to get, like, like Ashley Nicole, 97, uh-huh. and, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I graduated. <laughs> no! No! <laughs> you know what my email address, uh-huh. and I just had to look this up, my old email address, um... For where, like when I first started with mm-hmm. Yahoo was Miss Shazay. Yeah. Like JC Shazay from NSYNC. That's amazing. <laughs> anyway, okay, we're getting way down uh off topic. So this is ep- speaking of old, episode 42. Yep. My age, old. Yes, old not old. Fuck. And today we are going to be talking about um a case out of Cleveland, Ohio. Yep. The insane kidnappings of Ariel Castro. I was just telling Jessica this morning, I need to be done with this. I've It's like infiltrated my brain. I've been having abduction um, and torture dreams. Mm. It's just not the best. Oh, hate it. So um, we're, we actually were not on location in Cleveland. Um, so we're kind of cheating a little bit, but not really. Um, my husband, Mike, my dad who just retired, this was part of his retirement celebration, and my oldest son took a road trip to Cleveland to catch the Brewers Indian Series Mm -hmm. baseball weekend, which Mm -hmm. is something they love to do. So, of course, I was like, oh, you're going to Cleveland? You're going to need to go by the Ariel Castro house for me. Yes. And what's so funny about it is my husband and dad and my son did not even bat an eyelash. They're just like, yeah, this is what it is. They're just like, okay. And I was like... Well, and then dad, it's right by the Christmas story house. So you can, and that's my dad's like favorite. I love it. So I was like, you can see both or whatever. And he's like, yeah, whatever you need. So he's like, I'll stop there. And I said, the neighborhood might be a little sketch. And my dad's like, oh, it's fine. No big deal. Like, we'll go there. It's not that bad. You know, whatever. Because guys don't have to worry about that. Right. So they were like, it's fine. Um, 
and it turns out it, it was not that bad. It wasn't yeah. great, but it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. So anyways, they went there. Okay. And then they sent me pictures and, like, told me about it and everything. Yes. I know. So anyways, I wasn't there, but I was there Yeah. in spirit. And we will have, um, have to have Mike post-content. Yes discuss this yes. so, so we could stay true to our format right and <laughs> exactly i'll uh get him to do a little snippet here so yeah um i sent my minions out yes. to do my bidding <laughs> <laughs> i love it yes all right so season finale season finale going out with a bang it's ariel, a big one yes ariel castro mm-hmm. um that is heather that is jessica and we you are very yeah what this story is about yeah, I just, I ha- I watched the documentary. Dude, it's fucking crazy. I want to watch the movie, but, and I did read the book. Did I tell you I, re- I, I read the book? I did not read the book. The book is really, really good. Kurt it, and Michelle's they, book? Well, it goes back, Michelle and... Um, and Gina and Amanda. Amanda, yeah. I want to say it's from all three of their, all three of them. <gasps> I'm going to need to read it, but I might have to wait a little bit, because I'm a little too deep right now. You need right to now. be removed from yeah, it. Yeah, I need a palate cleanser. Yes. And I think I did it on Audible, so I'll have to, like, look that. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so... It's... This is the most... I just... I honestly do not think that there is anything worse than what he did to these women. I know. I have been thinking about this, like, we cover some really nasty stuff that humans do to other humans, and I do not think that anybody could do anything worse than what this man did. Yeah. It is reprehensible. Just, uh, okay. just a true piece of shit, the, you know? The the biggest piece of shit I he think is, we have covered yet. He is the piece of shit. He's going to get the award for King the... King yeah. shit. You are <laughs> Down Murder Lane's number, number one, one piece of shit. Yeah. And G- Gacy is the top number three best, <laughs> best piece PC. of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That'll still always be the best. I know, but... it's the best. All right. So come take a trip with us. Down Murder Lane. Hey, Charles, Charles, let me talk to you. I'm talking with Charles Ramsey. He's a neighbor. Uh, t- walk me through again what happened this afternoon. You, were, you, you heard screaming. I heard screaming. I'm eating my McDonald's. I uh, come outside. I see this girl going nuts trying to get out of her house. So I go on the porch. I go on the porch, and she says, help me get out. I've been, I'm, I've been here a long time. So, you know, I figured it's a, a domestic violence dispute. So I open the door and we can't get in that way because how the door is, it's so much that a body can't fit through, only your hand. So we kick it the bottom and she comes out with a little girl and she says, call 911. My name was Amanda Berry. And did you know who that was when, you, when she said that? When she told me it didn't register until I got the call in 911. And then I'm like, I'm calling the 911 for Amanda Berry. I thought this girl was dead. You know what I mean? And, and she got on the phone and she said, yes, this is me. And the detective, uh, Cook, right here, Detective Gregory Cook says, Charles, do you know who you rescued? I said, I said. Now, and when did you see, when did you see Gina? About, about, about five. Good. So about five minutes after the police got here, see, that girl Amanda, told the police i ain't just the only ones it's some more girls up in that house so they went up there you know 30 40 deep and when they came out was just astonishing because i thought they were gonna come up with nothing i figured i mean whoever she was 
and like I say, my neighbor, uh, you, you got you got the, some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Because we see this dude every day. I mean, every day. Hey, how long have you lived here? I've been here a year. Okay. You should come around. Right. I barbecue with, with this dude. We eat ribs and, and whatnot, and listen to salsa music. You see what I'm coming from? And you had no indication that there was anything Hey, bro, not a clue that that girl w was in that house, or anybody else was in there against their will. Because how he is, is I, he just comes out to his backyard, plays with the dogs, tinker with his cars and motorcycles, goes back in the house. So he's somebody that you look and you look away, because he's not doing nothing but the, the average stuff. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. nothing exciting about him. Well, until the day. <laughs> what, was, what was your reaction on the girls' faces? I can't imagine to see the sunlight to be around. Bro, I knew something was wrong when a little pretty white girl ran into a black man's arms. Something is wrong here. Dead giveaway. Dead Charles, giveaway. Charles, thank you very Dead much. Dead giveaway. Thank you very much for your time. And either she homeless or she got problems. That's the only reason why she ran into a black man. All right. That was the most amazing interview by charles ramsey dude he's the shit he's just sitting on his porch eating his mcdonald's the real mvp here just dude <laughs> that we is to, like we are gonna one link of this yeah so everyone can watch this video yeah i'm gonna put it on our facebook page because you also need to see him because he's very animated yes but that dude he's amazing yes like and then do you notice American how quick the the news person shut it down when he talked about race yeah yeah. You know something's ranch. wrong when a pretty little white girl jumps into a man's arm or black man's arms. Okay, Charles. Okay. Oh my god. All right. So anyways, just had to lead the with because that man is amazing. Charles mm. Ramsey. Yep. Dude, get that man a contract on some show. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, he's he's yes. He's the shit. All right. Okay. All right. So getting into it. Ariel Castro was born on July tenth, nineteen sixty in Dewey Yauco. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. <laughs> I misspelled it. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. He was the son of Pedro Castro and Lillian Rodriguez. His parents divorced when he was a child, and then he moved to the mainland U.S. with his mother and three of his siblings. The family first settled in Redding, Pennsylvania, and then moved to Cleveland, Ohio, where Castro's father and other family members were living. Castro had nine siblings, both full and half. Jeez. I know. And graduated from Cleveland's Lincoln West High School in 1979, year I was born. Okay. Castro met his girlfriend, Gramilda Figueroa, when his family moved into a house across the street from hers in the 1980s. She was significantly younger than him. I could not find out how much younger than him he was. Okay. They lived with both sets of parents, but eventually moved into their own house at 2207 Seymour Avenue in 1992. Their home was a two-story, 1,400-square-foot, four-bedroom, one-bathroom home with a 660-square-foot unfinished basement. Okay. The house was built in 1890, so very old house, mm -hmm. and remodeled in 1956. Together, the couple had four children. His girlfriend's sister, Alita Caraballo, Caraballo I think, mm -hmm said that all hell started breaking loose when the couple moved into their new home. Caraballo and her husband, Frank, claimed that Ariel beat Melda, that was what they called her, okay. breaking her nose, ribs, and arms, and caused a blood clot in her brain that resulted in an inoperable tumor. Jeez. Yes. God, I hate this, this guy. So they never were legally married. They were common law. Okay. Right. He also threw her down a flight of stairs, cracking her skull. 
This is the mother of his children. In 1993, Castro was arrested for domestic violence, but was not indicted by a grand jury. Hmm. Yeah. Didn't go anywhere. So he has issues. So Melda moved out of the house in 1996 and secured custody of the four children. Good move. Police assisted in the move and uh, detailed Castro, but they did not press charges. Castro continued to threaten and attack her after she left him, according to um, Melda's sister. She filed charges in 2005 in Cuy- Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga you County. You want to know how I know how to say that? Why? From season three of Serial. Oh, Cuyahoga. Okay. Yeah, because remember they did all those cases that's in right. Cleveland. That's yeah, right. So that's how I know how to say that. Cuyahoga. Good job. Yeah. Okay, so in Cuyahoga County Domestic Relations Court, accusing him of inflicting multiple severe injuries on her and of frequently abducting their daughters. Yeah, he would like take them. They had three daughters and one son. He would never do it with the son, but he would like take them and oh. didn't like hurt them or do anything, but just like not give them back on time and stuff strange the court granted her a temporary restraining order against castro but it was dismissed as she did not renew it which is interesting yeah but i mean but maybe he you know forced her you know scared her exactly i mean abused people do things Mm -hmm. that don't make sense melda died in april 2012 due to complications from her brain tumor inflicted by castro so he should be uh so he killed her yeah of course Yeah. yeah So, despite his uh, volatility... I know, you can't see... Sorry, I like that word. Okay, season two, no more hard words for me. All right. Okay. Despite him being a piece of shit... Yes. His daughter, Angie, had thought of him as a friendly, caring, doting man who'd take her out for motorcycle rides and line his kids up in the backyard for haircuts. But that all changed when she found out his secret. Yeah. I wonder this whole time how he could be so good to us, but he took young women little girls someone else's babies away from these families and over the years never felt enough guilt to just give up and let them free could you imagine finding that out about your dad i can't imagine i mean 10 years thinking you know it's not like a momentary lapse of sanity like oh my god my dad did like killed somebody when he was high on drugs one day yeah it's like no he made a conscious decision for 10 years to do this so she's a victim too horrible so this brings us actually to his um to his first victim Michelle Knight was born on April 23rd, 1981 in Naples, Florida. Oh, I did not know. Yeah. Her family moved to Cleveland when she was a young child. She has a mother, Barbara, twin brothers, Eddie and Freddie. Eddie and Freddie. Oh my gosh, I love that. I know, it's so cute. A grandmother, Deborah, and a half-sister, Katie, who was born after she went missing. As a child, Michelle wanted to become a firefighter. Michelle's story, I'm just going to prepare you. Oh, it's horrible. Yes. Start to finish is just, I mean, not finish. It's actually, she's doing pretty well, you'll hear. But just her entire life is so tragic and horrible. I don't know if anybody could have a worse life than her. So anyway, she had a very painful and poverty-stricken childhood. Her earliest memories involve her family living in a car, and then after that in government housing. She was raped by a male family member when she was a very young girl, and this family member continued to rape her into her teen years. He also threatened to kill her on numerous occasions. Horrible. Knight had a troubled relationship with her family, understandably, Mm -hmm. and she ran away from her home at the age of 15. There were some reports that said, like, she told her mom that this man was abusing her, and her mom didn't believe her. So she was like, fuck you, I'm out of here. Yeah. She started living under a highway bridge. 
She used to sleep in a garbage can to stay warm and got meals at a local church. A local drug drug dealer found her and gave her a drug running job where she made $300 per week and had a place to live. I mean, that was probably great for her. Yeah, so this like drug dealer guy was like, "Hey, I notice you're like sleeping in a garbage can. Mm-hmm. I'll give you somewhere to live, but you got to do this for me." Yeah. Yeah. Choices they had to make. Yeah. yeah. Good Samaritan drug dealers, just mm-hmm. like in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. All right. After the dealer was arrested, she went back to her bridge home. Yeah. And then I also read, but couldn't get any confirmation or heard, that there was a boy that they took in that and that was doing the same thing, kind of a similar situation, and that those two became really, really close. Good for, yeah. Because... Kind of after each other. Yeah. So with a height of just four feet, seven inches, she was bullied in school due to her short height. She was called Shorty by fellow students. She became pregnant while in high school and dropped out of school to give birth to her son, Joey. Joey was later taken away from Michelle and put into foster care because Michelle's mom's boyfriend purposely injured the boy while he was caring for him while Michelle was out looking for a job. My gosh. I remember reading about this. Yeah, so she was out looking for a job and she was like, Mom, can Can you you watch watch Joey while I go out? I have a job interview. And I guess she, like, didn't trust this boyfriend and then the mom, like, left and left him with the boyfriend, and then Joey was a toddler and made the boyfriend mad, and the guy snapped his leg. I remember this. So then yeah. they went to the hospital. Obviously, social workers knew that he was abused, and they said, we don't think this is a good place yeah. for him. So they took him away. So on August 23, 2002, Michelle Knight disappeared after leaving her cousin's home. At that time, she was 21 years old. Michelle was offered a ride by Ariel Castro on August 23rd. She had a hearing at the court regarding her son's custody case that day. It was supposed to get a ride there from a family member, but this family member canceled on her at the last minute. She tried to walk there but got lost and went to a convenience store to ask for directions. Castro was at the store and offered the ride to her, which she accepted because she knew one of Castro's daughters. Right, from school. Yeah. Castro told her that his dog had just had puppies and that she could pick one out, before the court hearing to give it to her son. He promised her that he would get her to uh, the court hearing on time. Michelle then entered Castro's home at 2207 Seymour Avenue. Castro asked her to follow him upstairs to see the puppies. This is when he attacked her. On the first day of her captivity, Michelle was tied with extension cords, strung up on poles, and raped repeatedly. In the movie (sighs) with Taryn Manning, they actually show him like stringing her up it's almost like how someone would string up, like, a deer that they killed hunting. Mm. And it was obvious that he had this set up already. Yeah. Like, was planning on doing this. Horrible. Once Castro was done raping her, she was raised up off of the floor and gagged with duct tape and a sock. I'm sure the sock was dirty because I guess his house was just fucking gross. gross. I'm sure it was. And his car was gross, too. Knight was then moved to the basement um, and chained for months. He put a motorcycle helmet over her head as well to further muffle any screams. I remember reading about this. There she was left with a bucket which she could use as a toilet. Tabby. Sorry, my cat is walking on there. It's all right. Come on, Tabby. Come on, Tabby. You just want to hang out and learn about this piece of shit. (laughs) Castro only unchained her to rape her. For the first eight months, she was not even given a chance to bathe. Eight months. I know. Ugh. And then he's like raping her like... Yeah. She was fed only once a day, sometimes twice. And then he would give her, like, old leftover, McDonald's like, old and McDonald's, stuff, yeah. like, old... Mm-hmm. 
So after taking her out of the basement, Castro would unchain her, um, in, her in his bedroom to rape and torture her. So due to the coincidence regarding the hearing the same day of her disappearance, disappearance, the investigators believed that she ran away on her own because she lost hope of regaining her son. That's horrible. That she was just like, I'm not going to get him back. I'm out of here. Yeah. And then, uh, sorry, now my cat's chewing on and the cord. And she was 21, here, so Tabby. they were like, well, she's an adult. Like, yep. So although her mother continued posting flyers about her, she was removed from the national database for missing people, which why was I she don't removed? No. Her mom kind of sucks. Well, yeah. I mean, from the beginning. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So after a few weeks, Castro brought a radio for Michelle. What a nice guy. Yeah. He yeah. warned her to not listen to black artists. I did not know that. Yeah. He Ugh. had a thing he hated African Americans. Oh my gosh. So he didn't want her listening to any black artists. He was like you can't he just wanted her listening to salsa music all the time oh my gosh so that's like a another form of torture for her or what yeah. i mean i like salsa music i like salsa music too not what about that mexican polka i mean i'm okay with it i'd still take that over country music but I, that mexican polka after a while really wears but after on a while me. yeah it's like it yeah. really gets me after a while <laughs> <laughs> okay he also bought a pitbull puppy for her Seven months later, Castro killed the dog by breaking its neck after the asshole. dog tried to protect Michelle. Yeah, he went to attack her, and then the dog went to attack him. Yeah. And then he picked up the dog and snapped its neck. Oh, my gosh. In front of her. So, just a wonderful man. So, <sighs> Michelle was repeatedly raped, and she became pregnant by Castro five times. Castro kicked, punched, slammed, or hit her with a barbell in the stomach to make her miscarry every time she got pregnant. It's horrible. His next victim was Amanda Berry. Amanda was born on April 22, 1986, and grew up in Cleveland. Berry was a high school junior and had a boyfriend and worked at the local Burger King on West 110th Street and Lorraine Avenue. That's right by the house. Yeah. The night before her 17th birthday, she finished her shift around 8 p.m. and started to walk home but never made it. She inexplicably vanished and did not answer calls from her family, friends, or boyfriend. And this was not like her. She was very excited about her birthday party the next day, and her family knew she would not just run away. Like, she had just got her nails done. She had a new outfit. She was really excited about her birthday party. The last day she had been seen was April 21, 2003, when she left work. It would later be revealed that Castro lured her into his car when he saw her walking after work. Again, using the fact that Amanda knew one of his daughters to gain her trust. Yeah. So he's, like, mm-hmm. pimping out his daughters, essentially. Yeah. Like, Oh, you know my daughter. Oh, like, you know I'm my safe. daughter. I'm safe. You know me. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to think, like, okay, when I was 16, 17, I was a very anxious... I had this weird thing about I was going to get abducted. But if I knew it was, like, my friend's dad and I'd met him a couple times, I might take a ride. Yeah. Because he's not a stranger. No, like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Like, you're Emily's dad. Sure, yeah. I'll take a ride from you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I might feel a little awkward and, like, not talk when I was in the car or whatever, but yeah. I might. seem like they were semi-safe. Right. Yeah. So the FBI initially considered her a runaway until a week after her disappearance when an unidentified male, you, I wonder who this could be, yeah. used her cell phone to call her mother. He said, I have Mandy, and Mandy was what her close friends and family called her. Oh. She's fine, and she'll be coming home in a couple days, then hung up. Hmm. 
Barry was then listed as a missing person with her mother, Luana Miller, calling for there to be more coverage regarding her daughter's disappearance and dispelling any notions that she had run away. Barry was featured in a 2004 segment of Fox's America's Most Wanted, which was re-aired in 2005 and 2006. Barry and the next captive, we will get you after, Amanda, were profiled on Oprah Winfrey and Montel Williams. Remember Montel? Yep. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Where self-proclaimed psychic Sylvia Brown, this hoe, told Barry's mother that her daughter was dead and she was in water. I mean... Like, fuck you, lady. Do you really, like... Why did they even, like, entertain these psychics on these shows? It's for entertainment purposes. Exactly. Remember that lady with her, like, dyed red hair and she just always had, like, a lot of blue eyeshadow. She was... Yeah. I didn't like her. It's because these shows, Oprah Winfrey, they think they're doing good for people. Dr. Phil, they don't do good for people. They are entertainment shows that exploit people's vulnerabilities. Yep, exactly. And this was Sylvia Brown just doing, dropping a bombshell for ratings, Mm -hmm. essentially, because she was getting paid by the Montel Williams show to make this sensational. Yep. All right, so she tells the mom, sorry, lady, your daughter's dead, dead. and she's in water. This devastated her mother, of course, mm-hmm. causing her to take down pictures and give away Barry's computer. Wow. However, her mother still continued to search for Amanda before dying from heart failure in early March 2006. So she died when her daughter was still missing. Yeah. Later on that year, on December 25th, so on Christmas in 2006, Amanda gave birth to Castro's daughter. She got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Castro had begun referring to Amanda as his wife. And because he's such a nice man, he would no longer rape his other captives in front of Amanda. He's like, well, we're married, so I can't rape these girls in front yeah, of you. Yeah, it's not like I'm not going to just, I'm not going to do it. You're just not going to see it. Right. I don't want you to see I have or standards. Hear it. Yeah. You know. I'm going to take him out of the backyard because you're my wife. <laughs> right. When Amanda went into labor, he told Michelle that she needed to deliver the baby and that if anything happened to the baby, he would kill Michelle. This is because he, like, loved Amanda or something. Amanda was blonde, and he had a thing for blondes. Hmm. This was especially cruel, as Castro had violently caused the miscarriage of five of Michelle's pregnancies. Yeah. The baby was born in a small, inflatable bathtub, and at one point the baby stopped breathing, but Knight was able to resuscitate the baby girl, who Amanda named Jocelyn. Castro occasionally took Amanda's daughter out of the house, including to visit his mother, she called him Daddy and Castro's mother-grandmother. I mean, this is just twisted. Yes. And the grandmother, like, didn't say anything. Like, oh, this is weird. Oh, who's the mom? Like, Why is she calling you Daddy? Yeah. And who is this girl? Like, question things. Yeah. Uh, so, in 2013, he showed one of his adult daughters a picture of her and said that she was his girlfriend's daughter from a previous relationship, but he had told others that she was his granddaughter. So while in captivity... Yeah, so he's telling different lies. Yeah, di- telling his daughters, oh, this is, you know, his... My girlfriend's, my girlfriend's daughter. My girlfriend's daughter, yeah. And then, oh, this is my granddaughter. And yeah. then, like, okay, which, which one, one of your, your daughters, daughters yeah. pregnant? Yeah. Question everything, people. Exactly. So while in captivity, Amanda taught Jocelyn how to read and write. She, like, did a... She was a good... And they also said that when Jocelyn was born, she brought, like, joy to them. All mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, because they and all that helped. They all helped in that she, like, brought a light mm-hmm. to their situation. That yeah. she was amazing. Something good mm-hmm. out of their shit life. Okay. Yeah. So next came Georgina Gina Lynn uh, De Jesus. 
Gina was born on February 13th, 1990, and was 14 when she went missing. So he's just getting progressively younger. younger. She was last seen at a payphone around 3 p.m. on April 2nd, 2004, Uh (laughs) while on the way home from her middle school at West 105th Street and Lorraine Avenue. Lorraine Avenue again. all very, very close. Right in that little region where where Mm -hmm. the house was. At the time, she was friends with Ariel Castro's daughter, Arlene Castro. So shortly before Gina disappeared, she and Arlene had called Arlene's mom, Grimilda Figueroa, sorry, for permission to have a sleepover at Gina's house. Gina's mom said they could not, and the two girls parted, uh, parted ways. So Arlene was the last person to see Gina before she disappeared. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, when they were doing the investigation, I wonder if, I'm sure the police probably at one time talked to her. Oh, yeah. They were like, well, you're the last person, and she was like, well, we called my mom to see that Milda, that he mm-hmm. had the tumor from him, um, we called her to see if we could have a sleepover, and she said no, so I went walking home, and she went the other direction, and we split up. Yeah. But I'm sure she had to have been talked to, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. So Castro saw Gina walking and recognized her as a friend of his daughter's. He pulled over and asked if she needed a ride. She said yes and trusted him as she knew he was her friend's dad. Again. Mm-hmm. No one witnessed her abduction, and an Amber Alert was not issued, which angered her father. Why was an Amber Alert not issued? Because she just vanished. I think, like, the technical definition... I tried to figure this out. The technical definition is, like, Amber Alert is you know someone was abducted. And they didn't oh, know she was she abducted. Was, okay. They could be... Okay. She could have just run away. So he says next, he's pissed. Whether it's an abduction or a runaway, a child needs to be found. We need to change this law. Yeah. So, so it's like a weird loophole where it's like uh, if see. somebody just goes missing mm-hmm. and nobody sees them being abducted or like is like they're kidnapped by this person or I saw them go in this car. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they don't have enough like information to give out at for an Amber Alert. Amber Alert means abduction. Yeah. Not like vanished. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. nobody saw what happened. A year after her disappearance, the FBI released a composite sketch and description of the male suspect described as Latino, 25 to 35, 5'10", and about 165 to 185, with green eyes, a goatee, and possibly a pencil-thin beard. So that's pretty accurate, right? Pretty accurate. The only thing, yeah, it goes into what his actual... Okay, so according to court records, Castro was 5'7", 179 pounds, had brown eyes, and a goatee. But it's pretty so accurate. It's pretty and close. And I'll put the um, picture of what he looked like. Oh, good. Or what the composite sketch is. Pretty good. But my question about this is if nobody saw her go with him, how did they get a a composite idea yeah, of what the person looks somebody like. Somebody had to seen something. Or was maybe there was like some businesses in the area and they saw a car slow down or something? And or talk to her? Something. Mm-hmm. But maybe. then why wasn't the Amber? I don't know. I had questions when I was. Yeah. It just, I was is. like, okay, if an Amber Alert wasn't released because no one saw what happened to her, then how do you get a picture of a suspect? Yeah, I want to know who gave this. Me too. Um, I was trying to yeah, find this and I probably spent like two hours looking for it, but yeah. I couldn't find it. Just had to move on. Yeah. Okay. It really so... pissed me off though. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you know, getting down those rabbit holes. I just holes. am a very detailed person. Yeah. I we'll talk about it on the next case. Yeah. I had to had to do the same I'm thing. Very detailed and it really bothered me. <laughs> okay, so Gina so I'm was good featured. At my job. Yeah. Gina was featured in the America's Most Wanted segment, which linked her to Amanda Berry. I mean yep. two 
missing girls. And they're both missing from Lorraine yeah. Avenue so, within a year. Yeah, very close. And so the disappearances received regular media attention into 2012 while families held public vigils for the girls. But not Michelle. Yeah, because she was almost like... They were just like, whatever, she's gone. She's missing too, but she was a runaway and she had a... Messed up life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Castro attended at least two of these vigils, reportedly participated in a search party, and tried to get close to the De Jesus family. That's like Bundy. Yeah. That's a lot of them get... That they go to their, like... Mm -hmm. Like, didn't Bundy go to, like, his press release? Like, there was, like, a press release or a media? So did um, De- uh, D'Angelo. Yep. So. Yeah. All right. Narcissist. So, very. Mm-hmm. Castro's son was a journalist student in 2004, <clears throat> and he interviewed Gina's mother for an article about the disappearances in the plain press. That's the newspaper, I guess. Okay. So police kept the investigation open and offered a $25,000 reward for information about Gina. According to Castro's uncle... His family knew the De Jesus family and had lived in the same West Cleveland neighborhood. Yeah, because they were Puerto Rican, so they were in the same, like, mm-hmm. Puerto Rican neighborhood Air, yeah. culture group okay. kind of a thing. Castro eventually claimed that he was not aware that Gina was part of that family when he abducted her, which he's lying. Gina told police that she was raped but did not believe she ever became pregnant. Yeah. I mean, so, while held captive, the women kept diaries that spoke of forced sexual conduct, of being locked in a dark room, of anticipating the next session of abuse, of the dreams of someday escaping and being reunited with family, of being chained to a wall, of being held like a prisoner of war, of being of missing the lives they once enjoyed, of emotional abuse, of threats to kill, of being treated like an animal, of continuing abuse, and of desiring freedom. So they just wrote. Yeah. He gave them journals, which is interesting. The women were locked in upstairs bedrooms where they were forced to use plastic toilets that were emptied infrequently. Mm. They were fed one small meal a day, usually fast food. This is really bad. They were allowed to shower twice per week at the most. And when they were allowed to shower, they had to shower with castrol. I mean, just the violation of... Your body. I mean, like you finally get to take a shower and you have to fucking take a shower with that piece of shit. Ugh. Nasty ass, gross. Mm-hmm. All he does is eat McDonald's all the time. I can't. I know. All right. According to a statement from Cleveland police, officers visited Castro's home only, w- only, only once, once following yeah. the kidnappings to discuss an unrelated incident. And the girls, they said they like heard the police at the door. They're Castro so scared. Yeah. Castro did not appear to be home at the time and was later interviewed elsewhere. Neighbors claimed to have called the police about suspicious activity at the home. They reported screaming coming from upstairs, and another neighbor reported seeing naked women wearing chains in Castro's backyard. And what? So the police came, and they'd knock on his door, and they weren't there, and they'd leave, and they'd never follow up on it. But what I don't understand, and again, we support police. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Support police. If you're getting... So this is three different reports about weird shit happening at the same house. Mm-hmm. And they also reported that windows were boarded up in this house. And I know this is not a great neighborhood. Yeah. So boarded up windows and stuff aren't weird. And I also know that urban police departments are overstretched. And they don't have yeah. enough people. And they got a lot of calls. But... Well, maybe it wasn't enough for them to even investigate like, I don't know oh, there you saw it's hearsay you saw girls in chains but yeah maybe not linking them 
Yeah. So maybe, oh, maybe we thought, like, it could be these missing girls. Maybe we should ask some of our, you know, police friends and say, what, you know, yeah. why would this happen? Yeah. Like, why would they? There has to be some kind of, like, not, not enough proper cause to be yeah. a search and Yeah, and I'll like ask that. some police friends and okay. see what they have to say about this. I'm sure they will probably say that it was bad policing or that it but, wasn't, like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know, but if it's only just, like, we can't. I mean, boarded up, screams, and, like, all three of those calls. So, I mean, and now, in, you you told me about the podcast algorithm. Yeah. Like, if something like this, if those were logged. Right. Algorithm would have picked it up. Exactly. And, like, the Lorraine Avenue where these girls went missing was literally blocks away from his house. And it's like, I don't know. I just feel like. Somebody dropped the ball here, but mm-hmm. I know, again, it goes, we don't know. It goes back to resources and mm-hmm. urban yeah. urban policing where there's so much shit that's going on. Yeah. And we understand there's a lot of things that we don't know. And yes. That we probably... We're not trying to armchair have, yeah. police here. Yeah. But we could see how it could happen, but just have some questions. Yeah. And also, I think it's also important to note that in urban areas where they aren't the best neighborhoods a lot of shit happens and i think that there is a there's an attitude of not my business i'm not getting involved in it yeah so there might have been some people that called but then when the police come they're just like i I don't know you just probably going to go check it out yeah i'm staying out of it i'm just telling you i saw something weird i don't really know yeah. So there's and the just, police did their due diligence. Okay, I'll knock right. on the door, but there's nothing else further they can do. Right, because yeah. people mind their own business and those, or yeah. they, you know, they're I'm not getting involved. Okay. Oh my so gosh. all right, so Castro's son Anthony reported that there was certain areas of the house that were inaccessible due to being locked. Like when his family would come over and visit, they'd be like, "You can't go upstairs. You can't go upstairs. Well, why can't we go upstairs, Dad? Well, it's just a mess up there. It's just a mess." And they believed him because his house was a mess. Yeah. So he also mentioned on occasion three weeks before the women's escape when Castro asked him if Barry would ever be found. Like why? So would the you dad is like, Do you up? think out of nowhere they're hanging out? And he goes, Hey, son, do you ever think they're gonna find Amanda Barry? Like, what yeah. the fuck? And she's upstairs? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Anthony said that he told Castro he thought she was dead. To which Castro responded, Really? You think so? What a fucking I hate, this hate guy. him. So on May 6, twenty thirteen. Amanda was finally able to make contact with Castro's neighbors, as you heard in that awesome Charles <laughs> Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. Which led to her escape with her then six-year-old daughter, Jocelyn. Wow. So she's six. And the rescue of Gina and Michelle by authorities. According to police, Castro left the house that day, and Amanda realized that he did not lock the big inside door, although the exterior storm door was bolted. She did not attempt to break through the outer door because she thought Castro was testing her. Yeah. Castro often tested the women previously by leaving the house partially unlocked and exits secured. If they attempted to escape, he came in and he beat them. So, yeah, he had just beat them down over all these years, so they were scared. They were conditioned. Instead, Barry screamed for help when she saw neighbors outside through the screen. So she saw Charles on the porch Mm -hmm. eating his Big Mac. Yeah, and just yelled for help. She's like, dude, help! Yeah. Yeah. But she was probably scared he could have been right around the corner just testing her. Right. Because he did that often and then he would beat them. Yeah. So are we going to talk about how he was a school bus driver at all? Um, I didn't put it in here, but we certainly can. I mean... Let's talk about it now. His so job. his job, he was a... 
he drove school buses, and so he had a really flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. But how did he get that job because of this background? How he was well, he was never arrested for he was never violence. oh so because it was never prosecuted or you know right. he never went to jail. So that always like really interests me with that. That was his job, and you know he would come and go, and I don't know. And he had a lot of flexibility, and you know it. I, uh, he did some questionable shit that eventually caused him to get fired. Yeah. Like one time he left a kid in the bus well, and he said, I'm just going to go and get some lunch. Yeah. And then the kid was in the bus. Yes, I remember and that. And then there was like some other thing where like he, I don't know, like some stuff like that. And then he did get fired because he did some illegal U-turn in front of a school with a bus full of kids. Mm-hmm. Which is like super dangerous. So he dangerous. finally did get. So he finally yeah. did get fired. But then that's when things got worse for the girls because then he was around all the time. Yeah, more. Yeah. Ugh. Before he would go to work and then they had like a break. a break. Yeah. Okay, so neighbor Angelo, or sorry, Angel, Angel Cordero responded to the screaming but was unable to communicate with Barry because he spoke little English. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, can you imagine like screaming like help me and this guy can't help you? Like this yeah. is my chance. And like he'd only know obviously something's wrong. Yeah. But he just, he, his English was so poor, couldn't they couldn't understand. communicate. So, then, so, yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. So, neighbor Charles Ramsey, who you heard at the beginning of this episode. Our favorite guy. Was sitting on his porch eating his lunch when he heard the screaming and joined Cordero at the house's front door during the rescue. They kicked a hole through the bottom of the storm door and Amanda crawled through carrying her daughter. Ramsey said that Amanda told him that she and her child were being kept inside the house against their will and that she had been there for 10 years. Could you imagine? I mean... I know. Upon being freed, she went to the house of another Spanish-speaking neighbor and with Ramsey's assistant called 911 saying, Help me, I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years. I'm Amanda Berry and I'm here. I'm free now. Have you heard that 911 call? Ugh, it's chilling. I know. So responding police officers then entered Castro's house. They walked through an upstairs hallway with guns drawn, announcing themselves as Cleveland police. After peeking out from a slightly open bedroom door, Michelle entered the hallway and leaped into an officer's arms repeatedly saying, you saved me. Ugh. Those officers. <sighs> the Entering trauma. that house mm-hmm. and it was filthy and just like, you know. Trying to clear out every single room like to see what else is... And it's like a torture chamber, and you're seeing all this fucked up shit. Yeah. So, soon afterwards, Gina entered the hallway from another room. So Because they were probably scared. They were probably like, oh, is this a setup? Again, conditioned. Yeah. Michelle and Gina walked out of the home, and all three women, plus the little girl, were taken to Metro Health Medical Center. Amanda and Gina were released from the hospital the next day. Michelle was discharged four days later on May 10th. The rescue of the woman also reignited hope for the family of Ashley Summers, another young woman who disappeared in the Cleveland area in early July 2007 after leaving her home after an argument with her parents. Police initially believed there could be other captives in the Seymour Avenue home, but found none and no evidence of others. So Summers is still missing to this day. And we, I mean, he could have killed women. He did. And then he told Michelle, like, you think there, like, there was someone before you and she didn't make it out. He yeah. would tell her that, and she's like, I don't know if he was just saying that to scare me, mm-hmm. or if he really did. Yeah. And he was like, well, you think you're the first one? Yeah. You're not the I'm first probably one. Probably not. You're not the first one, and guess what? They didn't make it out. Yeah. Like, mm. he would say really messed up shit to her. So, Castro was arrested on May 6, 2013, right after the women escaped. So, that same day? 
Was that uh, the same? Yeah. yeah. He was charged with four counts of kidnapping and three counts of rape on May 8th, so which carried prison sentences of 10 years to life in Ohio. Two of Castro's brothers were also taken into custody. Were they were with taken, him. Yeah, but were released on May 9th after police announced that they had no involvement in the they kidnapping. They had no idea. Well, they probably like, how can this one guy have kept all three of these women? Right. And he was with them when at a McDonald's. Seriously, like so much <laughs> McDonald's in this. They were at McDonald's. And, um, but I'm hungry for some fries. I know, dude. I, I am too. I love them. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So they were together. So they arrested all of them. And then they found out they had nothing to do with it. Okay. All right. So Castro made his first court appearance at the Cleveland Municipal Court on May 9th, where bail was set at $2 million per kidnapping charge, adding to the total of $8 million. Because there was the daughter. Oh, yeah. Prosecutors intended to seek the death penalty against Castro. Additional charges were reported to be pending, including aggravated murder for the intentional miscarriages. Yeah. Attempted murder, assault, a charge for each instance of rape. Amanda had kept a journal with a log of the rapes. Good. She, like, would write mm-hmm. down, and the it was number like a in code. The corner. Yep. Yep. She would write a number in a corner. Yeah. With an initial next to it, so you know how many times a day each woman was raped. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Gosh. She's brilliant, though. Yeah. All these girls. And a kidnapping charge for each day each captive was held. Good. Holy shit. Yeah. On May 14th, Castro's attorneys said he would plead not guilty to all charges, okay, mm-hmm. if indicted for kidnapping and rape. A Cuyahoga County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment against Castro on June 7th. It contained 329 counts, including two counts of aggravated murder for his forceful termination of the pregnancies. Mm-hmm. The indictments covered... Only the period from August 2002 to February 2007. Not sure why. Hmm. The county prosecutor, Timothy McGinty, stated that the investigation was ongoing and that any further findings would be presented to a grand jury. McGinty said that pursuing a death penalty specification would be considered following completion of indictment proceedings. So after entering a not guilty plea for Castro on June 12th, one of his attorneys, said that although some of the charges against Castro were indisputable, it is our hope that we can continue to work toward a resolution to avoid having an unnecessary trial about aggravated murder and the death penalty. Because that's very costly for the city or something. Right. I see what he's yeah. saying, but I know what they do, the prosecutors. They, they throw, don't need it. They throw on a ton of charges. Right. Like, it's like you're throwing spaghetti at a wall. Like, okay, I'm going to throw it. I know it's not all going to stick. But I want but the, as the much as ones. possible yes. to stick. Yes. He noted that we are very sensitive sensitive to the emotional strain and impact that a trial would have on the women, their families, and the community. That's true. Correct. Castro was found competent to stand trial on July 3rd. Okay. So on July 12th, Cuyahoga... Sorry, this is so long, by the way. No, this is great. I mean, I mean it, I had to. I couldn't. And there's so much more we could have talked about, yeah. especially with the all the other stuff that the girls yes. went through. Yes. So, um, on July 12th, uh, Cuyahoga County Grand Jury returned a true bill of indictment for the remainder of the period after February 2007. It, I wonder if it was because it was just so much information. They're like, look, we got to charge them with something. There's still more shit to go through. I only got through 2007. We'll get to the rest of it, but this yeah, is enough to for get now. it going. Right. So, it brought the total to 977 counts in Insane. total. Insane. Which were made up of 512 counts of kidnapping. 446 of rape. Jesus. Seven of gross sexual Im- imposition. Six of felonious assault. I like that word, felonious. felonious yes. Mm-hmm. Three of child endangerment. Two of aggravated murder. And one of possession of criminal tools. Hmm. I'm not sure what that is. Don't we all kind of have criminal tools in our I house? I mean, I have knives. Yeah. To cut my food. 
Yeah, criminal tools. Watch out. <laughs> On July 7th, 17th, Castro pleaded not guilty to the expanded indictment. He faced death by lethal injection if convicted on all of the charges. So Yeah. So Castro pleaded guilty on July 26 to 937 of the 977 charges No, I didn't him. do those 40. Yeah. No, only 937. I hate this I did guy. not do those other 40. Including charges of kidnapping. Math. Yeah. I know. I'm very proud of you. We've really grown this year. I'm working really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so... Next year, I might be able to do a little bit more advanced math. Yeah, double mm-hmm. digits. Yes. Okay, so... Okay, so he played it... I played not... He played guilty to some, not all, um, including charges of kidnapping, rape, aggravated murder, um, and as part of the plea bargain, which called for consecutive sentences of life in prison, plus a thousand years, Jesus. all without parole. <laughs> like, no hope. So... Dude, you're done. <laughs> done. <laughs> you... Dunzo. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Game but over. But he didn't want to... <laughs> Like, he didn't want the death penalty. He didn't want to be killed. Cause I would. I know. I would be like, just get the shit over with. Like, yeah. game Ugh. over. Under the plea deal, Castro forfeited his right to appeal and could not uh, profit in any way due to his crimes. Good. Because you know that he'd be trying right. to write a book Like, I'm going to try to write a book because I'm a narcissist yep. and whatever. He also forfeited his assets, including his home, which prosecutors said would be demolished. Yeah, as it should be. On August 1st, House of Horrors. Yeah, Castro was sentenced to consecutive life terms in prison, plus a thousand years without the possibility of parole. He was also they fined. They moved fast on Yeah, this. thank goodness. Yeah, they moved real fast. He was also fined $100,000, uh, you know, which. Wait, what is that even, like, okay? Mm-hmm. For all the. Probably, His house probably wasn't even worth that. Yeah. It's a piece of shit. So he probably just had to work it off making license plates for the rest of his life, so. Uh, a thousand uh, a thousand years without okay no no sorry before his sentencing castro addressed the court for nearly 20 minutes did you ever hear this no it is rambling insanity just i mean yeah uh in which uh he said he was a good person and not a monster but that he was addicted to sex and pornography okay and had practiced the art of masturbation <laughs> from a young age i love that okay. quote the art of yeah. masturbation. So I don't even, I don't want to watch this video because I just don't even want it to have views. No, I did watch it and I'm, but, he's so insane. Uh, he's like, I practice the art of masturbation from a very young age. Okay. So don't all teenage boys? I mean, Yeah, whatever. I mean. Okay. Exactly. Okay. He claimed he was physically abused and sexually, uh, physically and sexually abused um, from a young age as well, which I'm yeah. sure it's just, yeah. the cycle continues. Yep. He claimed victims he Victims create victims. Yep. He claimed he had never beaten or tortured the women and insisted that most of the sex was consensual. This well, guy. most of it they wanted. Oh, God. He's fucking, I hate him. Uh, he shifted between apologizing and blaming the FBI for failing to catch him and to blaming the women for getting into the car with him. I hate him. Like, he's literally in this video, he's like, I'm so sorry, but it's actually the FBI's fault this went on for so long. Well, if the Why did they women, catch me earlier? I'm so sorry. Well, but the women got in the car, so it's their fault. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, he just... Somebody should have just punched him in the face. Shut the fuck up. And got, got yeah, done with it. just shut up. <sighs> Somebody should have put a dirty-ass sock in his mouth and put a motorcycle a helmet, helmet yeah. on his fucking head. Make him sit there. Yeah. Yeah. But he... Yeah. Dick. And then- <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay. He would then shift back to apologetic comments saying, I hope they can find it in their hearts to forgive me because m- because we had a lot of harmony going on in that home. Yeah, it was Are just you a fucking... lovely family. Ugh. And he would say shit like that. He would like, 
every year on the anniversary of each of their abductions, he would buy a cake. Shut up. Yes. And he would buy a cake and make them all sit around the fucking table and they would all eat cake to celebrate the anniversary of their abduction. Oh my gosh. I also read in the book that um, he would let them watch the TV of them. Yeah. Like. And then he would say to Michelle, like, how does it make you feel that no one's looking for you? Yeah. Mm. And then she was like, he hated me because she would never let him beat her down. And she would be like, I don't care. Even though she did, she would be like, fine with me yeah i don't care and he'd be like doesn't it make you feel sad no doesn't make me sad i'm fine and like she would just always like try Mm -hmm. to yeah she never let him he wanted that control yeah and she Mm -hmm. and she wouldn't so she got the worst of the beatings yeah and he hated her like you know he made her miscarry and but she was just like i was never going to let him make me a victim more than he already had yeah She's badass. All right. So at the sentencing, Michelle told Castro, you took 11 years of my life away. 21 to 32. Jeez. Yeah. I spent 11 years in hell. Now your hell is just beginning. I will overcome all that has happened, but you will face hell for eternity. I will live on. You will die a little every day as you think of the 11 years of atrocities that you inflicted on us. I can forgive you, but I will never forget good she's amazing yeah all three women released a video statement two months after their rescue thanking the public for their support their attorneys said they were still they still had a strong desire for privacy and the cleveland courage fund was a bank account set up to help the women in their transition to independent life which raised over one million dollars thank goodness knight ended up changing her name to lily rose lee and began to get several tattoos as her way of coping with the healing process yes she also revealed that her son was adopted by his foster parents while she was in captivity. I don't blame yeah. them. But he had a great family. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to see him, but his adopted parents said they are not open to him seeing her at this I re- time. Yes. Which uh-huh. broke her heart, but she said she respected it because it was just too heavy and he was only 13 at the time. Yeah. So it was just too much yeah. for him to process. But they do keep her posted on him and send her pictures. That's so nice. they write her letters, and this is what he's yeah. up to. She hopes to see him when he is an adult, when it's his decision. Yeah. He would be around 20 years old right now. So hopefully she has seen him. Yes, yeah, so hopefully by now she has. She planned to open a restaurant and dreamed of getting married, which she did in 2016. Oh, that's wonderful. She actually got married on the anniversary on May 6th, 2016. She got married on purpose on the day that she escaped. Yeah. Because that was the happiest day of her life, and she wanted it to be, to be another happy day. Yeah. So she hopes to adopt children as her years of abuse and torture made it unlikely for her to be able to get pregnant again. Oh, my gosh. She also planned to reunite with Amanda and Gina Mm -hmm. in the future, but began focusing on getting her own life back on track. Yeah, because I'm sure they are going to always be bonded in a certain fashion, you know, so. Yeah. Amanda and Gina recover, received honorary diplomas from John Marshall High School in 2015. That's nice. Yeah. In an interview with uh, WKYC-TV, Gina said that she is currently volunteering for the Amber Alert Committee, offering comfort to families of abducted children. That didn't children. do an am- Amber Alert for her, but yeah. she's helping them. Maybe there's reform now. I yeah. don't know. Hopefully. She remains in touch with Amanda and her family. 
So in, two, in February 2017, Amanda joined the staff of WJW Fox 6 in Cleveland. This is cool. Where she hosts short reoccurring segments in which she reports missing person cases. She's really good. Oh, I need to look this up. She's really good. See, I didn't know any of this after They stuff. love her and Cle- they love these girls in Cleveland. Oh, I'm sure. Like they, like, lo- I mean, Cleveland, my husband and dad, they said it's a lot like Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, a very friendly city, and, yeah. like, people are super, yeah. like, they love each other, and they take care of each other. They said it was great. Yeah. And I could see, if this happened in Milwaukee, people really taking Would care take, of them. Yeah, take care of the family. Yeah. And they love, they love, like, they were, like, they're all their daughters. Yeah, because like, they were all looking for them, and yeah. And mm-hmm. the, the community, like, really takes care of them. So, um... She she does this to help families reunite with their missing loved ones. So in April 2019, Barry reunited with Charles Ramsey. I Aww. love this! Six years after her rescue at an interview that was broadcast by this station. That, I have to look it up. Yes. I need to see it. It's great. So I bet she gives these families a lot of hope that they're missing or yeah. children are still She's alive. She's amazing. She is like... I, just she has a like a, a presence and like she's just yeah they're all amazing amazing as part of the plea bargain the house where castro had lived and held the women captive was demolished on august 7th 2013 good michelle was present at the demolition and handed out yellow balloons to spectators ow my cat just she just got <laughs> my foot you see what's happening no stop my, my, I guess my feet, my toe was moving. Yeah. Michelle was present at the demolition and handed out yellow balloons to spectators, which she said represented missing children. The balloons were released before Gina's aunt uh, began the demolition with a swing of a crane. That's awesome. The house has been I feel completely... like they should have let the girls swing the crane. Yes. I've been like, fuck this. Like, boom. Yeah. Um, the house had been completely blurred out on the street view of google maps still this to is, this day still to this day i looked at it yesterday you know how you can scroll back in time on google maps like yeah. you can scroll back like my house i can go back in time to like 2008 before we owned it and oh, it had I a different color that. trim oh i didn't know that mm-hmm. oh you have to show and me you that. can see the old people's that live there their cars in the driveway yeah it's weird oh yeah so i scroll back in time and if you look current it's just an empty lot and you'll see the pictures from when mike and my dad and nate were there it's yeah. just an empty lot but then if you scroll back in time, you can see there's a house there, and it, and it's from 2011, and okay. it's blurred. That's when those girls were in there. So mm. they blurred it out because those girls were in there. Then. Yeah. yeah. It's I guess. creepy. Because they didn't want to, like, what if you saw something? Like, what if... It's just probably a respect. Like, yeah. this, there was something horrible happening here. And, and it's weird because you look at the whole block. It's, like, clear, 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 and you're scrolling. Blurred. Clear. Yeah. It's really weird. I'll show you. Ooh. So on the evening of September 3rd, 2013, just one month into his life sentence, Castro was found hanging from a bed sheet in his cell at the Correction Reception Center in Orient, Ohio. He was 53 at the time of his death, so prison staff performed CPR on him before he was taken to a hospital where he was pronounced dead shortly after. Bye! The following day, the county coroner um, announced the ca- the cause of Castro's death to be suicide by hanging. I wish he was still alive, though. So he could suffer? Yeah. Because you know he was probably getting the shit beat out of him in prison, which oh, yeah. I would want him to suffer that every single day. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it is saving of the taxpayers a lot of money, but I kind of wish he was still alive to be suffering. That's oh, kind of totally. horrible to think that way, but... 
No, it's not horrible. You know, like, I want him to. Or, like, where's the, where the fuck is Christopher Scarver? Yeah. Just send his ass. So they should do, yes! Yes! They should send Christopher Scarver to go to take care of people. Just get a shovel. Like, Scarver, we got a job for you. Yeah. You're coming with us. Yeah. He's, he's like, like a good guy, but he probably wouldn't do he's it. He's like but... Dexter. Yeah. Okay, yes. fine. I'll do it. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Ariel Castro, let's go clean the gym. Yeah. <laughs> imagine, like, being sent in there and, like, yeah. the horror that they would feel. Man, that would be awesome. So I they mean, can feel what those victims yes. felt. Yes. Let me string your ass up from the ceiling and yep. put a dirty ass sock and make you eat day old egg McMuffins. Yeah. And then I'm going to beat you with a barbell yeah. and then you're going to be dead. But I feel like that would probably even be a better life than he should be. Yeah. Know. Okay. I know. My stomach, I'm not even hungry. <laughs> All right. So on October 10th, 2013, the Ohio Department of Corrections released a report that suggested that Castro may have died accidentally from autoerotic asphyxiation rather than suicide. God damn Practicing him. Practicing the art of masturbation. Well, he hadn't perfected it, <laughs> yeah, I guess. clearly. The coroner rejected the theory, and a consultant reported that all evidence reported to a suicide, including a shrine-like arrangement of family pictures right, right in front of him, and a Bible in Castro's cell, an increasing tone of frustration in his journal about the reality of spending the rest of his life in prison, and also complaining of constant harassment he had to endure. God, poor, poor Ariel. Oh, Ariel, your life is so hard. Oh, my gosh. All right, so today, Michelle is 40 years old, Amanda is 35, and Gina is 31. Amanda's daughter, Jocelyn, is 14, and is reportedly doing very well. I can't imagine, like, you have to look at her every day and know that her father was... Yeah. You know, that has to be so hard for Amanda. Probably, but they asked, somebody asked her about that, and she's like, you know, she's the joy that got me through it, and she's what kept me going. So yeah. he, she doesn't look at him like, like that. At her like that. Yeah. All right. So Michelle has published, published two books under her birth name. Um, Amanda and Gina also published their own book. In addition, all three women continue to do work around around Cleveland, helping survivors, highlighting missing persons, or helping families of missing people. Michelle founded Lily Ray's, Lily's Ray of Hope to support other survivors providing housing, clothing, and education assistance. All three of them continue to live in the Cleveland, Ohio area to this day. Wow. So that's it. What a case. I, I know this was really long, and I thank you all for hanging in there. I yeah. hope this was worth it. Yeah, it'll be a long episode, but yeah, definitely. Whatever, man. Yeah. Season finale, last one, so. There's no... I. I was like, should we split this up in two? But then it wasn't like long enough for two, so I just said, fuck it. Yeah, just no, go. this was all, this was good. Yeah, I'm glad we covered this, and it's just a fucked up case, man. And I just don't. I mean, like, like I said, I don't know if there's anything worse you can do. And I just have the utmost respect and admiration for these three. They are productive members of society that are doing good work, and it's like you can if. I'm not saying that, like, if you have a shit life and something shitty happens to you, mm-hmm. it's really hard, but you can turn it into something else if you... Yeah. I don't know anything about this, because I didn't have a shit life, and I've never had anything really horrible happen to yeah. me. I'm very lucky. But you see a lot of people using trauma and things as an excuse to treat other people like shit, mm-hmm. or to be drug addicts, or yeah, be horrible parents, and they're... And they kind of have a right, you know, not a sure. right, but, like, I can understand. It makes sense. It does. It makes sense. But for these girls to, like, overcome all that. And yes. Then, 
Yeah. And to become such strong, amazing women. And Amanda's raising her daughter. She's not given up on her and saying, I can't do this and doing drugs and escaping her hell that she probably still lives in in her head. Mm -hmm. She's making a decision every day to show up and do a good job. Yeah. I just think they're awesome. It's awesome. Huh? Love those girls. So yeah, they're bad ass bitches. Yes. Mad props, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, we're going to break now for some post-content discussion yep. discussion with Heather and Mike. Yep, he can tell us about what it was like when we were, he was there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our live interview portion of this episode. I am sitting in my kitchen with my husband. His name is Mike. Hello. And um, <clears throat> as we mentioned, he just got done working out, so he might be a little out of breath. I'm all right. You're okay? I think so. All right. Are you nervous? No. You just told me you were. Maybe. He's nervous. All right. Um, okay. So as I mentioned in the episode, it was my dad, my husband, and my children that were my minions doing my bidding. Right? That's correct. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you're going to Cleveland. Yes. You know I'm going to send you somewhere. You just went to Washington, D.C. and I didn't send you anywhere. That's true. Dude. Time. Missed opportunity, man. I'm yeah. mad at myself. Okay. Anyways, <clears throat> so I was like, all right. So I actually think it was Jessica that gave me the idea. She's like, well, if they're going to Cleveland, they have to go by the Ariel Castro house. And I was like, uh, totes. I will ask them. So um, we sent you to 2207 Seymour Avenue. Um, the house is no longer standing. Correct. Can you just... Tell us a little bit about, I mean, I did like the Google Maps thing. It looks really similar to like an older Milwaukee neighborhood. I would say that. Because it's like yeah. Midwest and the, the house, that house was built in 1890 from our research. So the houses are older. Um, it's an older part of town. Can you just tell us a little bit about the neighborhood, the surroundings, what it was kind of like when you went there? Well, we were there for a Brewers game, mm -hmm. and we stayed downtown fairly close to the stadium. Right. And the stadium is next to a bridge. Okay. That goes over, I couldn't tell if it was a river, but it looked more like an industrial valley kind of a thing. Okay. So kind of like our Miller Valley sort of a deal? Yes. Like industrial like area? That. All right. The valley's a little bigger. Okay. That, but similar, yep. So... So that uh, goes from downtown, it goes over an industrial valley? Yes. So you went over this bridge? Yep. And okay. then immediately, once you get to the other side of the bridge, you're in basically the neighborhood where the house is. Okay. And it was only another, I don't know, 10 blocks from there. Okay. Um, and the neighborhood was kind of half industrial. Some of it was empty. Some of it was redone. The houses looked pretty, at least especially on that street, were Old. original. Yeah. Like kind of that, turn of the century kind of house? Yes. kind of, And the lots were kind of like, you know, like in Indiana or when you go down south, the lots are kind of, I don't know how to describe it. They're just flat, basic, pretty small. Um, and then the, the houses all look similar. Well, it, it's kind of like that in Milwaukee, too, where it's just like... Uh, I don't know. I can always tell when... As soon as you get to Illinois or whatever. It, it just I looks like a little different. different. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how to explain it. So, 
Were there, like, a lot of chain-link fences and, like, that kind of stuff around the houses? Um, on that street, I don't think anyone had a house or a, a house Castro or a did when the house was standing. He had a chain-link fence There may have it. been a fence, I'm sure it was too, gone. but there wasn't... It almost looked like there was more than one missing or empty lot. I think it was a one. double the lot. The street was empty, Okay. Too. So there well, wasn't much. the house had a driveway next to it, so I think it was like a wider lot. Yeah. Um. So, like, would you say it's like a little bit of a rougher neighborhood, or not that bad, or like? The neighborhood itself didn't look that bad. Okay. Um. I don't know. I didn't feel nervous. You didn't feel unsafe or Maybe anything. Maybe at night. Okay. But not... So, like, not horrible, but not amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and that was kind of on par with what I was picking up with, you know, like, some neighbors did call the police and, like, there wasn't a lot of follow-up when, like, he didn't answer the door. And I figured it was probably because they're in a more urban setting and they have a lot more police calls, a lot more things going on. So they might just not be able to get... To look into everything as thoroughly as, yeah, I'd say that would be accurate. And it's, right. I don't. I don't know what it looked like back then. Obviously. Sure. But so okay. Um. So th- it's the lot is there now. What is on the lot now? Is it just like overgrown? Are there memorials? It's like what is overgrown? It? You wouldn't even think okay anything of it unless you knew what was there. Basically. So there's no. I was. That's what. What my big question was was like. Is there any kind of like memorial or is there any kind of garden or anything in that? No. There's some. I think from the pictures you can maybe tell there was just some overgrown okay. plants yeah. right up by the sidewalk. But it's not maintained? No. See, that kind of bothers me. I almost kind of feel like leaving it ugly leaves it yucky feeling. And I feel like somebody should go there and plant a garden. Yeah. Or something. Maybe they're just trying to get people to forget about it. I don't know. Nobody's going to forget about that shit. Maybe. I mean, we just recorded our, our well, we're doing the next episode for Ed Gein, and we talked about how Plainfield doesn't want people coming there. They just want to erase it from the history. But Cleveland is different, whereas they have really embraced this as part of their history and like learning and growing. And like Amanda Berry is actually hired by one of the news stations, and she does segments about missing children. So they're not trying to forget that it happened. So I don't know. I just think. It would be a good opportunity for, like, somebody from the neighborhood or something. That kind of disappoints me. Like, somebody do something with that property. If it's just going to be there, put something on it that is, like, I don't know, a reminder of, like, that these girls survived. I don't know. Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, I got an idea for you. Somebody in the neighborhood, there's, like, little Puerto Rican grandma or whatever, make some amazing garden like when you go into the cities in milwaukee you go into the bad neighborhoods in milwaukee some of these um the more latino communities where they do a lot of gardening in the asian communities um there are empty lots everywhere and they've made community gardens out of them where like people come and grow stuff and they get do something with that that productive with it there's plenty of room for that there yeah the neighbor's dogs started barking at me pretty violently or aggressively so that kind of got us out of there a little quicker. Yeah. Another thing of note was the Christmas Story House. Is, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It took us maybe three minutes to drive there from there. 
That's how I sold it to my dad. I was like, well, Christmas Story House and is really close. And neighborhood is, looks a lot better, even though it's, it's pretty close. But that's, like, how it is in cities. I mean, yeah. in Milwaukee, like, you go, like, there's gorgeous homes in Brewers Hill that are mansions. And then you go three blocks away past Holton, and it's not good at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Did you see... And the Christmas Story House backyard looks over... The valley. Into that neighborhood? I don't remember seeing in the movie. No. That was kind of interesting too. But. Well, it's not as pretty. That's a pretty nice view. Is it? Yeah. Oh. You can see downtown. You know? Cool. Yeah. That's neat. So it's like higher ground? Mm-hmm. Huh. Is it hilly there? Um, a little. Just like river valley. What, were, what was your overall feeling about Cleveland as a whole? As a city and the people that you encountered and like... Uh, very Milwaukee. Very, very Midwest. Mm-hmm. Very, felt a lot like Milwaukee. Clean? Yeah. Downtown nice? Mm-hmm. Was we there... didn't get around too much, just yeah. mainly around the stadium. But what was the lakefront like? That was very nice. Very nice? That's where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. the Browns, where they play. There's stadiums down there too, next to it. I think it just stinks, and we in Milwaukee can relate. I mean, I think people probably don't think a lot of Cleveland. They probably think of it like they think of Milwaukee, just like another crap hole Midwestern city. Um, But it actually has a lot to offer, just like Milwaukee does too. But now, unfortunately, like we know in Milwaukee, now it has this horrible thing associated with it of Ariel Castro, and we certainly know what that's like. Like whenever... We travel somewhere, people are like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer. It's one of the first things they think of when they talk about Milwaukee. So it's just unfortunate. But okay, that's all. Was that so bad and intimidating? No, it was fine. Just kind of like hanging out with your wife, right? Yeah. Yeah? I mean, Mm -hmm. make you talk about the shit all the time anyways. You might as well be a guest on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm going to eat my tacos now. You're going to... I have Chipotle, you have Qdoba. (laughs) (laughs) This is very interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Of course. Two thumbs up, Mike. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. So we just wanted to jump back on and just say thank you to everyone who has supported us this past year. It's honestly been so heartwarming. Yeah. Like, all the friends and all the people I've met through this. And then, like, yeah, and just, like, all the the fun and all the cool places and the people we've met and the people, the relationships that have kind of, like, grown and blossomed. Out of this, yeah. Yeah. And the time we get to spend together. And us, I would say us, we get to spend together and go into these fun places and then bringing other friends with us. It's been really, really fun. It's been really fun, and people are so supportive, and it, like kind of blows me away like I went I on Labor Day we were at a family barbecue and I met a new family that lives in our neighborhood and the kids I didn't know them Mm because the kids are in different grades yeah but they're like a neighbor of the people we were at I like knew of them and they knew of me and Mm -hmm. the husband he goes you're like down murder lane Heather right and I was like yay oh yeah (laughs) and he's like I listened to you and he was like because the husband that, of the house we were at, yeah, he was like, I listen to you. I love it. It's great. Oh, that's he was really like, nice. I, Haunchyville episode is my favorite. 
And so he knew. Yeah. Just like we ran into those guys at the Varsity Club, remember? Yes. And then they were talking, oh, we loved that episode and told us about the episode. Cause you, so you kind of know they're not and bullshitting like, you. Oh they're my like, God. Oh my God. People actually listen. Yeah. And then he was like, you should really have like a live recording. He's like, I would come to it. I would love to come to it and like talk to you guys and like hang out. Yeah. And he like wanted to talk about our cases. He's like, so what was your favorite one? Like, wanted to, like, talk to me about this. And we're, like, drinking beers and, like, yeah. talking. And I was like, this is amazing. Maybe for season two, we have a couple of cases where somebody else comes and... Hangs. Doug's... Doug, like, we... Not really hangs, but maybe they can do a case. They can go and then could come tell us about it yeah. if they want. I'm up for anything. We are, too. So if you have ideas like this, like, let us know. Yeah. Um, slide in the DMs. Slide in the old DMs. Talk to me at a barbecue. Yeah. At the bar. Anything. I mean, it was, like, kind of funny because I was like, uh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, shit. Like, (laughs) I'm so inappropriate. Like, I'm always, like, a little, like. Did I tell you how, okay, so, like, I'm the PTO president for our school and we do virtual meetings and in-person meetings. So, the first meeting I brought, we wanted better audio because people were saying they couldn't hear us. So, I brought the Our equipment speakers. and I was like oh I can do it and shout her, out to Jessica's dad yeah our sponsor one source pest control yep. for a sponsor in the podcast yes, um, so I brought the mic and everyone's like dang that's a nice mic and then a f- another friend was like oh yeah she has a podcast <gasps> and then our principal at the oh asking about oh what you do a podcast I'm like yeah like oh what's it about I'm like and so I'm like I'm having to tell her about my <laughs> podcast <laughs> And she's like, oh, I'm going to have to look it up. I'm like, please don't. Oh, God. So, like, it's so great. Like, I, you know. Yeah, but it's, like, it's hard because, like, we are inappropriate. So, yes. it's, like. And I don't want to mix, like, oh, you let me hang with your children. And you let me play in all these events for your children. And <laughs> do all these things. But here's me talking inappropriate about murder and well, dropping the F word a here, lot. Yeah, here's the thing. We're complicated individuals. We are. We We're have multifaceted. A lot, lot of layers. Yes. We're like onions. You just peel <laughs> off those layers. And I fucking hate onions. I hate onions too. Like, unless they're onion rings. I like That's onion true. rings. Well, it's fried. Right. If it's fried, I'm good. Yeah. Um, we're like onions. You just peel the layer. Like, oh, look at this outside of this nice mom, yeah, suburban yeah. mom. And then you just get deeper and deeper. You're like, wow. Just, <laughs> There's a lot going on And then that's when you start to cry from the onion. Yeah, yes. you start to cry. Because <laughs> it's a little much for you. Yes. yes. I love it. All we're right. not for everybody. Onions. But we're for somebody. So All maybe right. we should have some merch that says peel the onion. We are the <laughs> <laughs> And then in the back, it should be an onion, and in the middle is a black heart. Yes! For our black souls. Yes, onion with black heart. All right, we got <laughs> to get Amanda on it. Yep. She'll do it. She's going to come out of retirement. All, all right, right, guys. So follow us on Instagram. Follow, uh, yeah, DMs and shit. Yeah, all the things. <laughs> Rate, review us on Apple Podcasts or any platform that you listen to. Yeah, so would you please do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm tired of asking. Yeah. <laughs> we give you all of us. Give us something back. <laughs> Just kidding. But don't give us onions. Yeah, no onions. All right. So until next time. Take that trip. But pack wisely. Because you never know who you'll run into. Don't Down. get in a car on whatever mm-hmm. avenue. Seymour yep. Avenue. Exactly. Down, Down murder, murder lane. lane. Bye.